This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told you uh, two weeks ago that I would come back and finish the message that I started. I forgot that I had a wedding last weekend. But uh, true to my word, I'm going to come back and finish it today. Is that okay? All right. So we were talking about authority of the believer and enforcing the enemy's defeat with the power that God has given to us. And I spoke to you about the power of of, of darkness that is in our country and why it's hard for blessing to uh, come upon us and overtake us, but God still is working in the hearts and lives of believers. You and I, although we are in this world, although we are in Zimbabwe, do not have to be under the same jurisdiction. There's natural jurisdictions, but there's a spiritual jurisdiction. And uh, God said this, you know, and I closed out last, uh, my last message with the fact that in Psalm 133 and verse 1, it says, Behold and how good... Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You have to work to have unity. You have to work to have friendships. You have to work to have a relationship. Relationships don't just happen. Many Zimbabweans are not relational. They're transactional. They only see a person for how far that person can get them or what they can get from that person. Or there's a tremendous sense of entitlement. What can I get out of this relationship? What can I have? That will not get you very far in the kingdom. Unity is what can I do for someone else? What, can, what would I do for others that I would like them to do for me? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Creating an atmosphere that God can bless. Creating a space that God can bless. Whether it's in your marriage You know, I see husbands and wives and all they ever talk about is what their wife or their husband doesn't do for them. They're so focused on what they want that they forget to be who they're supposed to be in giving in their relationship. I see business partners. They go into a relationship not for what they can give and contribute to each other, but for what they can get from the business. We see politicians, they don't go in to serve their community. What can they get for themselves? What can they get out of their position? We have people that work and they're supposed to be servants in civil service. But they won't even do their job for their pay. They want you to pay them something else in order for them to do what they're supposed to be paid to do already. This attitude is a spirit of witchcraft. It's a spirit of witchcraft. See, it takes something supernatural to be able to give yourself away. We sing the song, I give myself away. Well, that's a great song, but don't sing it, do it. Tap your neighbor, say, I think he's already in your face today. He loves you, though. He, lo- he loves you. And he's just an old man. He's 65. Say, he's 65. I mean, what could a 65-year-old man do? Amen. 
Even heard my dad say, hey, you get, I get my pension now, my $25 a month. That's amazing. <laughs> you see, the secret to our lives is out of a life of intimacy with God, we can have power. We can have authority. And we need to take time to draw near to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is a rebuke. God says, draw near to God. But he says, you need to cleanse your hands and you need to purify your hearts because you're double-minded. The, 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 the idea behind this is that uh, God is desirous of, of us being near to him. But he knows the tendency in our fleshly natural man to revert to the things of the flesh and not walk by the Spirit. It's so pre prevalent that, you know, God had a whole book written through Solomon, who was the wisest man on the planet, and he, he wrote the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm just going to read a little bit for you, he says, Here's, this is the guy, this, this is the whole book. He says, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The things that he hath, or the things that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done, that which shall be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This is sore travail. Hath God given to his sons, to the sons of man to be exercised therewith? I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Then I looked on the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Therefore I hated my life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it to another man that should be after me. And who knoweth? Whether he shall be a wise man or a fool, yet shall he have rule over all of my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore, I went out, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored therein, shall he leave it for his portion. Also this is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor, and of all the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? It goes on through this 30 times in this book. He says, life is vanity under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. What this simply means is that there are two kinds of life. There's the life that you live under the sun, which is this life on earth. And most people live their whole lives as though their life is under the sun. 
and it's vexation. Here we hear the prophet, he's saying, or the, the, the preacher, the, 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 the wisest man, and he says it's all vexation. He says living under the sun is vexation. He says you work, you labor, and what do you have when you get done? You have nothing. Everything's taken away from you. It's in vain. It's vanity. I was speaking to one of the members of the church the other day, and his, his father-in-law is, doesn't want to live anymore. There's no reason to live. I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what made the change of not wanting to live anymore? See, I, I tell you, here's the problem. If you live under the sun, you won't want to live anymore. If you live under the sun, you're going to find out at the end of your life, life is vanity. There's nothing to live for. If you make a lot of money, you have to leave it for somebody else because you can't take it with you. If you don't have any money, life is vanity. So where are we supposed to live? Well, God says there's a place you can live called in the spirit. He says, I call you up higher. He says, come up into the heavenly. View your life from the heavenly perspective. He says, view your life from the authority of a spirit man in a spiritual realm. And he says, there you'll find satisfaction. There you'll find life. You know, I, I, I have the privilege of leading you and, you know, trying to help our business people, trying to help our people build people, build dreams. Here's what staggers me. I have worked with men, I have worked with people, and they ascend into a heavenly place. They get a vision from heaven. They get a vision from God. I bear witness to it. I tell them, okay, yes, that's God's vision. And then... They don't stay in the heavenly realm. They come back here and they live in vexation. Trying to accomplish by the flesh what they began in the spirit. You see, if you start in the spirit, stay in the spirit. I love men and I love women when I speak to them. And they are constantly going back into the realm of the heavenlies. Back in the realm of the spirit to get the direction from God. King David was a man after God's heart. What did he do? He would constantly ascend into the presence of God and say, Lord, do we pursue the enemy? Lord, what do we do? He was constantly in the presence of God getting his direction. There's a spiritual authority that comes that can only come from God. And I know you're very clever. And I can usually tell the clever ones because they are always telling me how smart they are, how many degrees they have. And what they're going to do. Amen? But even if you look at the negative side of that, the Bible says that there's a wisdom that comes from above. There's a wisdom that comes from heaven. And then there's a wisdom that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. And you can see men that live an earthly and sensual devilish life. They seek ancestors. That's earthly, sensual, devilish. You know, I, I, I know that there are people that are in the Western world and they're dabbling in necromancy. They're dabbling in uh, some type of spiritism, trying to co make contact with the dead. Let me tell you something. It's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. Dead people don't talk to you. Your dead ancestors are not talking to you. Oh, yes, but I've, I've heard their voice. I've seen the Nanga channel. 
the spirit of my pastor or my, or my pastor, my, my, <laughs> I hope not. Well, it could happen. Uh, some, of the, some of these pastors are, are full of divination. Uh, I've seen the Nyanga, the, the, the I've seen my, my auntie, my tete go into a trance and, and, and the, the spirit of our ancestors speak through her, speak, speak through him. No, no, that's not, your, that's not your dead relative. That's a familiar spirit, a demon, a demon spirit that's family oriented. It understands your family. It's probably been in your family for years. Knows everything about your family. Can tell you the secrets to make it, you believe that it's a family member, but it's not. It's a demon. And it's there to bind you, to control you, to dominate you, to whip up on you. And it's not just African people, it's white people. I can't tell you how many European people have superstitions. They're superstitious. They actually believe that, oh, that, I, I just, I could just feel my father, your father's not with you. I could just feel my mother, she was right by my, no, she wasn't. No, she's not there. Yes, I believe, well, you believe it, but it's false, it's not true. The Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. The Bible's full of truths about that. Yes, but do you remember Samuel was called up from the dead? Was it, was it Samuel or was it a familiar spirit? We don't know. But I can tell you this. The Bible's full of scriptures that tell us not to dabble in spiritism. Not to dabble in spirit worship. But to trust God. If a person dies in Christ, you'll see them again in heaven. If they don't, you won't see them. They'll be in hell. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's in Christ. Amen. Don't all religions, aren't, aren't all, what if, guys, you're watching too much TV. <laughs> you have to live your life, and you have to make a choice. You can live by some kind of God that you create, or that Hollywood creates, or that, you know, some Eastern religion creates. Or you can live by the God of the Bible. And I'm sorry, the God of the Bible is very clear. And he's very fair. He loves everybody. But he made one way for salvation. Through Jesus the Christ. There is no other Christ but Jesus. There is no other way to heaven but through Christ. His only begotten son. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Guys, are you going to create your own God? Well, the God that I want, what? He does what you want him to do. Some of you have created God after your image. Here's the God I want. Here's, you know, the God I want to serve, I think he's like this. I think he's like that. No, he's not like any of those things. He's only like what his word says he is. And the authority of who he is and the authority he gives you is not based on what you think. He says, because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Amen. His authority and everything he gives you and everything he is is based solely on one thing, the word of God. And he gave his authority to us. God sent his son Jesus into the world for one reason. That he might demonstrate to mankind all over the world what he's, what he's like. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, And Jesus came and he spoke unto them, saying, All power 
is given to me. Now, if all power is given to me in heaven and on earth, then there can't be any other power given to any other force, any other God, any other religion. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. See, authority is given to you as a believer so that you can go in the name of Jesus, so you can go and be an example of who God is and who the power of God is in the earth. It's become so weird out there that we've forgotten who Jesus is and we've forgotten who we are in Christ. It's time for us to go back and find out who we are in Christ. And yes, we live under the sun. We live in this world. But we have access to heaven. Come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Ooh, I thank you. We can go to the Father. Amen. So if you have authority... You may not understand it. You may not know it. And I talked to you last week or two weeks ago about the policeman. He doesn't have power to stop the car in his personal right. Or he doesn't have authority to stop a car in his strength. But he could take an 18-wheeler and stand in the road in his uniform and go. And that truck is going to stop. Not because he's powerful, but in his own being because he's powerful and full of authority in the name of the government of Zimbabwe, in the name of the police of Zimbabwe. Did you know that 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 authority of the police officer can be delegated? Did you know Vic, Pastor Vic, for what, 20 years now? Oh, five years, okay. Well, you know, you're my senior, so I'm trying to give you credit, okay? But for five years, he goes and he wears a little orange vest, a little yellow vest. And he has a little stop sign. But he could walk out in front of oncoming traffic with that and his stop sign and stop traffic to let children pass. Do you think he's strong enough to stop the traffic? No, but he has an authority that's been delegated to him to do so. And we all recognize it. Jesus did the same thing for you in the spiritual realm. So where is the place of God's authority? Well, it is for those of us who have learned to be seated in heavenly places. When we're in heavenly places, we can hear the voice of God. Jesus said it this way. He says, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. Where did he get those instructions? The Bible speaks of Jesus' life. He went from prayer place to prayer place to prayer place. He never did anything without praying. He went up into the heavenly places. He would go up and he would stop. He would listen to God. And then he'd come down and do what he heard God say. He'd do what he saw God do. He had it in advance. He was in the spirit. He was full of the spirit. God wants you and I to be full of the spirit. 
so that when we carry out our lives, we carry it out confidently. We carry it out with authority. We carry it out with an inner witness on the inside of us that leads us, prompts us, guides us, directs us, leads us into all truth, teaches us all things. He gave us a comforter like unto himself, like Jesus, so that you could learn everything you need to know and you could be successful and prosperous and blessed in this world under the sun, but you get your instructions from heaven. Amen? God wants you to do great exploits by his spirit. See, God needs a voice of authority in the earth to release his power. The Bible says there are many voices in the earth and none are without significance. They're all significant. How many of you know that many of the voices that are speaking today are voices of confusion? You know, in our country, most of what you get in the news is just propaganda. None of it's true. Most of what we do with our, uh, our economy is just manipulation of the economy. It's not real. It's just manipulating it for a few to benefit or, for, or for, uh, to, 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 to stop something that somebody else is trying to do. Or, you, know, it, it's, it's just, you, you can't believe what's in the newspaper. I hope you don't believe the newspapers. You talk about fake news. We have fake news in this country. It's all fake news. You can't believe the pundits. You can't believe people around you. How does a person who doesn't know God tell the truth? They don't know the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's why as believers, you can't get caught up in that. You have to begin to use authority properly. And authority comes not from yourself, not from your degree, not from how powerful you are as a person. It comes from God and God giving you authority from a heavenly position. But see, many of you have grown up so much into this natural authority. And, and even today, I watch you. I study you. Oh, I can't say anything. Why can't you say anything? He's my senior. So he's your senior, and because he's your senior, he knows more. So your voice is what? Neutered. That's right. So what if God wants you to say something? What if Joseph would have been like you? Oh, no, no, I can't say anything to my brothers. They're my seniors. But he's second in command to Pharaoh. Why? Because he didn't go by the culture of the day. He went by the culture of God, the spirit of God that was on him. What about Daniel? Daniel was a slave. He was neutered. He was a eunuch. He had no standing. And yet he became in charge of Babylon. Why? Because of the spirit of God that was upon him. Because he tapped into the heavenly realm. He fought for something in the heavenlies and silenced the mouth of the king of Persia. He had authority in heaven. God says, I give that same authority to you. Go in my name. So how do we release God's authority? Let me go quickly now. Number one, you have to speak. We have so many Christians that are non-speakers. They can't say anything. They don't know what to say. They're afraid to speak. Well, that, the Bible defines you. You're a baby. Babes in Christ. Some of you are 40 years old in the Lord. And you're still trying to suck on mom's breast. You're a baby. 
The mature sons of God know how to speak. They speak the word of God. They speak into every situation. Babies don't know how to speak. No, you're cute. Except when you're 40 years old and you're still crawling and sucking on a bottle, it's kind of weird looking, you know. Some of you are 20 years old in the Lord and you still, you know, only quote John 3.16. It's the only Bible verse you know. You have no authority that you carry with you because you've not encountered authority from a heavenly realm where God himself speaks to you and you can stand up boldly. Let God be true and every man a liar. This is the word of God for the situation. Like Esther, if I perish, I perish. See, there comes a moment when the spirit of God begins to instruct you. and You know, you might have a wife like Job's wife. Job's wife said, curse God and die. You're God, the God you serve. The God, yeah, he never comes through for us. Yeah, yeah, look at this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just blew out of her mouth. But Job, Job said, let me hold on to what God says. Oh, no, 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 let me tell you something. That pressure comes on every man of God. Jesus himself in the wilderness, the devil tried to silence his voice, tried to compromise what he had heard God say, came to him in the wilderness after he'd fasted for 40 days. He was tired. He was hungry. He was beat up. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, it comes with doubt. If you really were the son of God, you would be able to say to this Stone be turned into a loaf of bread. Jesus, I'm sure he was tempted. And I think Jesus could have, if Jesus could turn a couple of loaves and a few fish into a meal for 12,000 people, I'm sure he could have turned a stone into bread. But you see, he would have obtained it under the sun. He would have obtained it illegitimately. And he would have yielded his authority to the devil. He would have yielded to temptation. Instead he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. My authority is not in bread. My authority is in heaven and in the word of almighty God. Woo! Let me tell you something. He took a stand. And guess what? And God and all of heaven backed it. And God will do the same for you if you'll take the same stand. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about, you know, being so holy. I'm talking about just being a normal human being. A man or a woman who makes contact with heaven and has an authority about them. Has an understanding that, hey, I have a vision from heaven. I don't have to preach about it. I don't have to tell anybody about my vision. I could just go about my business. But I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. I'm led of my spirit. I have authority. And I'm not afraid to speak the truth into a situation. Knowing that heaven will back me. Matthew 17, 20. You see, when you speak, God moves on your behalf. 
Matthew 17, 20, Jesus told, said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Let me tell you something, you mix a word from heaven with faith, nothing can stop you, nothing. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever things he saith. You'll have what you say. What you say, not what God says, what you say. If you can believe in your heart that the things you say shall come to pass, you'll have what you say. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. Folks, that's, that, that's how faith works. But you know what? You can't believe that unless you've received it already in heaven. I believe I have received in heaven, and therefore I enforce what I received in heaven on this earthly plane. I'm not going to be moved from it. Under the sun, I'm going to enforce heaven's victory under the sun. Amen. Just tap your neighbor and say, I think he's preaching better than you're amening this morning. Number two, we need to use the name of Jesus. Mark, 11, Mark 16, 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, in my name. Everybody say, in my name. name. Whose name? In the name of Jesus, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on, guys. What do you do in his name? See, the, the power is not in your cleverness. The power is not in your degree. The power is not in how... Slimy you can be. Wire, 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 wire. It's not, that's not where the power's at. It's not in who you know on this earth. That's how some of you got in trouble in the first place. You got to know somebody and they tricked you. Now you have no voice because you gave your voice to them. Extract yourself. He says if you've struck hands with somebody, if you've made a deal with somebody and you're bound... Flee from it. Go, don't give yourself sleep. Get out of that thing as fast. If you have to give it all up, give it all up. Get out of that because you're bound under the sun. You have no access to heaven. You're a bound man. I want you to be free. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. Is that true? Is that true? John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I've ordained you that you should go forth or go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. How does fruit remain? See, here, let me tell you something. Oh, wise old Solomon said all is vanity under the sun. Vanity, vanity. Wise old Jesus comes along and says, 
It's not vanity. He says, if you abide in me, if you hide yourself in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and your fruit will remain. How does it remain? It remains to another generation. It remains to a righteous generation. It remains to do something for his kingdom. It, 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 it's storing up a testimony in heaven for you. You're, when you're tested, it's not wood, hay, and stubble. It's not just futility of earth. It's gold, silver, precious stones, the Holy Spirit working in you, working through you, working for you. Amen? Number three, you need to declare the word of God. And when you do, when you declare the word of God, it releases angelic activity on your behalf. Now, it's not declaring the logos. Now, there's different words for the word of God. The logos word of God is this right here, the written word. So you can, you can quote this all day long. And, and, and it's good. We read it, we study it, and, and it's good for us. It feeds our soul. But if you're only reading the Bible and reading the Logos, it's the dead letter of the law. So God gave you the Holy Spirit to quicken his word and give you what's called a rhema word. Now the rhema word, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but it's when you're reading and all of a sudden it's like it goes into bold print. And it goes, va-voom, va-voom. And, and it's no longer just a story. It's no longer just about something that you're reading about. It's now speaking into your spirit. It's alive. Oh, my gosh, that's God speaking to me. And maybe it comes when you've been praying and you've been asking God about what to do with your family or to do with your marriage or to do with your business or to do with the church. And, and now how do we do this? And, and, and you don't have an answer but as you study and you pray and you seek God, all of a sudden, a story that maybe you've read a hundred times. Oh my gosh, there it is. God opens your eyes. Now, when you get a word like that, and you are bold enough to say, not only did I get that word, but I'm going to declare that rhema word. It's 11 o'clock. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we glorify you, we thank you that seven times a day we worship you and we're not ashamed of it in Jesus' name. So you, you get this rhema word. That's the word that changes things in the atmosphere on earth. That's a word from heaven. You can't get a rhema word under the sun. You only get a rhema word from the heavenly places. That's why we pray. That's why we go into the heavenlies. That's why we read the Bible in the spirit. And Psalm 103 says this. Bless you the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now, let me ask you something. How does he hearken unto the voice, the voice of his word? Listen, I want you to listen very carefully because here's the word of God. Now listen. Can you hear his voice? No. Why? Because his voice is in collaboration with his saints. It takes a saint to declare his word into a situation. It takes faith. If you will say with your mouth and believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth shall come to pass, you will have whatever you say. 
That's the power of the authority of the believer in Christ Jesus. See, remember, God's not on earth speaking, but you and I are. By speaking the word of God, you're releasing God to do his bidding through his angels. You see, the, the Holy Spirit also has access by the words you speak. The Holy Spirit quickens words for you to speak. Words to speak into the hearts of other men. Words to speak into situations that he anoints. And then he convicts of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment by the words you speak. But they can't just be your words. They've got to be the word of God. Amen. Is anybody listening to me today? Amen. I love this verse of scripture. And by the way, let me just say this. You know, Jesus never asked God to help him or the disciples with any demonic issue. I see some of you praying. Oh God, oh, there's demons. Oh, the devil, the devil. Why are you praying about the devil? You'll never see Jesus pray about the devil. You'll never see the disciples ever pray about the devil. Whenever a devil showed up, they just took authority over it. In the name of Jesus. By the word of God. You don't fear the devil. You don't fear the devil. I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Some of you spend all night prayer meeting. And you give more glory to the devil than you do to God. Oh, the devil was so strong in that meeting. I could just feel it. The devil's not even here. We bound the devil. He's gone in Jesus' name. And the only way he can be here is if you want him here in your heart. And, you, and if you want him out of your heart, we can help you get him out. You, wherever you've yielded ground to the devil, God says we have authority over all the works of the enemy. Believers. Now, you can yield to the devil. You can give up you, through fear, through, through, through uh, covenants of darkness, through iniquity. You can, you can give yourself over to the devil and, and, and you have to work those things out. But hey, God's given you all authority. You know Jesus never asked God to heal anybody? Not once in the Bible did Jesus ask God to heal someone. In fact, neither did the disciples. The Bible says believers, believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. In the name of Jesus. Believers lay hands on the sick and they recover in the name of Jesus. Believers lay hands on the sick and they recover in the name of Jesus. Not prophets. Oh, the only way you can get healed is a prophet. That's not true. That's not true. Now, there are men that have gifts of healing and God uses those. But, you know, the gifts of healing and the gifts of the Spirit are usually used primarily amongst the unbeliever. God has a covenant of healing for his children. And if one of you is sick, there's a couple of ways to get healed. When's the last time you called for the elders of the church? No, 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 no. You'll run to the doctor. You'll do anything. But you won't call for the elders of the church to anoint you with oil. The Bible says if you call in faith for the elders of the church to anoint you with oil, not only will your sins be forgiven, but you'll be raised up from your affliction. Glory be to God. Come on. That's good news. The Bible says that you as a believer. How many believers are here today? Are you all believers? Or are you unbelieving believers? See, I tell you what. As a believer, you should never hesitate 
should never hesitate when someone's sick to say, let me pray for you. Are you the healer? Well, in a way, you are. You are. God works with you. We work together with God. We are co-heirs, laboring together in the gospel. How many of you know Jesus isn't walking on the earth anymore? So Jesus can't lay his hands on the sick. So he needs a vessel yielded to him that will lay hands on the sick. So in that sense, you're, yes, you're the vessel that God uses in the name of Jesus to pray for and heal the sick. And you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, some people get so weird. You know, they rub somebody's head bald. Praying for them. Shaking. I feel the anointing. You know, I love when the anointing shows up. But some of the greatest miracles, some of the greatest healings in my life have been so simple. Is there anybody sick here today? Anybody say, man, I'm sick in my body. I'm just sick. Stand up, wherever you are. Just say, I'm sick in my body. Just stand up. I'm sick. I'm sick. I have an infirmity. I have a sickness. I'm sick. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. That's okay. It's all right. God doesn't want you sick. But God gave us authority to heal the sick. He says, a believer can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. Now, here's the beauty of that. I don't have, because I'm not the healer, because he is. What am I supposed to do? I have to have faith in my heart that God can heal you. Do you believe God can heal you? You think if a believer, not Pastor Tom, a believer, I'm just a believer. You think a believer can lay hands on the sick? In the name of Jesus, you'll be healed. Do you believe that? Are you sure? Are you ready to receive? Uh, do, do, do I have to make a shout? Do I have to make a scream? Do I have to rub you silly? Do I have to jiggle? Do I have to shake, rattle, or roll? So what, do I, what, what is my job? My job is simply to do this. In the name of Jesus, I command healing into your body. Be healed. Now, was that hard? Now, maybe it didn't sound religious enough for you. Oh, God, thou art in heaven. I ask you to heal, my sister. Come down in your power. You're just drawing attention to yourself. You're just making yourself look bigger than you really are. See, all we have to do is go to our brother or our sister and say, in the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth, receive healing. Be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, be healed in that name. Is that hard? What does it say? Does it say it's a miracle? No. It might be a miracle. You might. The Bible says that some were instantly healed. But the Bible says others, like the ten lepers, as they went, they were healed. And the scripture I just quoted says, believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Recovery is a process. You may not walk out of here instantly healed, but you will recover. You will recover. 
you will recover. You will be healed. You just walk in with the promise of God and his word is true. You will recover. But hold on to the promises. Hold on to what God says. Amen. So here's what I'd like. Are there any believers that believe what I've just taught around these people? Would you stand up and just do what I just did? Say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed. Just pray for them. Just speak to them. In Jesus' name. Come on, pray for that person. Not long. Just in the name of, lay hands. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Now everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Now you guys didn't let me get to my finish here, but the time is up. I got five points. Will you come back next Sunday to get the last five points? All right. I love you. Father, I thank you for this great congregation. I make declaration over them. I declare that, Father, we are returning to the firm foundation of your word. We've never left it, but, Father, we are going to teach the word of God that it's you, Lord, that receives all glory, all honor, all power, that by the name of Jesus, by the word of God, and by our speaking, from the heavenly realm into this earth, Father, you will turn our fortunes. Father, you will bring healing. Father, you will heal our land. Father, you will cause our faith to rise. Father, we will enter a new season. We will enter a new dimension of your blessing. We will enter a time and a place where God will arise and his enemies will be scattered. Father, we thank you that those words that are contrary to yours we bind in the name of Jesus. And Father, we declare that a whole army of men and women will stand up and supplant the words of the enemy with the word of God. Father, I thank you that men and women will begin to prosper as they gain their access to the heavenly realm and obtain the plans and the purposes that you have for them. That, Father, as they begin to unbind themselves from the iniquities, unbind themselves from the covenants of darkness, unbind themselves from covenants with wicked and evil men who bind them. But, Father, as they unbind themselves, Father, they will bind themselves to you, to our Christ. And, Father, they will begin to speak into the atmosphere. Mountains will be removed. Sycamore trees will be uprooted. Father, and we will see the healing of our land. We will see the healing of our nation. And Father, we'll see a whole generation of men and women who fear no man, but fear God alone. In Jesus' name. If you agree, if you agree with that, say amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.